Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. My name is Will Kenneth. I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Asbury. We're looking forward to having you all with us as we continue on into our sermon series of Help My Unbelief. And this is a sermon series where we are wrestling with some difficult questions, some questions that might not sit very easy with us. Uh, the first week we looked at the question of why are Christians hypocrites? Pastor Chris walked us through that, and we talked about the reasoning is that we all are, um, but for us just to recognize it, to own it, to make it a part of who we are, and then in to live into the forgiveness that God offers us in growing in our faith. Then last week, he looked at another tough question of the question asking, free will, is it worth all the suffering? And the response is, yes, God extends to us love, and out of love, there is freedom, the unfortunate part is some people do use and exercise that freedom for evil and harm and hurt and put others down, but we also have others who lift up. We have people who, like Dr. Martin Luther King, the firefighters and all that, who help to rectify and redeem the situations and provide care. So even though we have those things in our life, in this world, that come from free will, we have those where it comes about goodness through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that is offered to us. So today, we're wrestling with another tough question. Isn't the Bible full of myths? No. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we can go home. Amen, right? I wish you were that easy. But, like all tough questions, it's helpful for us to look at it, to approach it with uh, the respect that it deserves, the care. Um, and so I wanted to open up with a topic that we all agree upon, social media. Now, we probably all have different views of social media, right? Who here loves social media? Who here not so much? Eh, okay, I got some handshakes. Who's here just kind of indifferent? Yeah, one way or another, it doesn't bother me much. We got a couple of those too. Okay. Well, I'm probably a little more in the middle. I'm just not good at social media. I'm more probably what people call a lurker. So I sit in the background and I just watch. I, I you know, probably follow it mostly for sports information, maybe some music, different stuff like that. And occasionally I'll pop up on my friends' uh, pages or posts or whatever and just leave like a really sarcastic, unnecessary comment. That's really all I use it for, just to kind of be annoying. Um, so if you know that I've commented on your page, you'll know that I think fondly of you. No. Um, but one of the things I found is that over time, I've distanced myself from social media because what ends up happening, I think, is it's too much of a one-way conversation. People say things, and it's not so much that you get a dialogue or a response, but people are just talking at each other. I saw somebody, they, I thought they put it so well in saying this. You could post a comment about how you like oranges. Well, then somebody else is going to comment on this post and say, well, what about bananas? You hate bananas? 
Like, what do bananas ever do to you? Or apples? I mean, apples are good too, right? Especially this time of year. You get apples in, and all of a sudden, it's not so much about what you say, it's about what you didn't say. And so there's so much that happens there. And rarely does it end up in a dialogue. It's just kind of this one-way conversation. I know for times, like, we do some traveling, my wife and I, and, you know, we visit a city, and you say something about it, and all of a sudden, it seems that you didn't say something great about other people's hometown, and they get offended, and they get mad, and all this sort of stuff. It's like, you know what? I feel like I just can't win sometimes on social media. But I say that because when we look at this question of, isn't the Bible full of myths? Which, if we were to say that, that would be saying that the Bible is not true. And that's not true. We believe that the Bible is true. It is the Word of God. It is given to us to help us, to teach us, to correct us. We're going to talk about that later. But what and how it communicates that is a little bit um, of what we need to be respectful of and how we approach it and how it is given to us. So before we dive in, let's pray and we'll get started. God, we are thankful that we are in this space where we get to worship you, where we get to honor you, where we get to respond to you calling out into our lives. I pray that you would be with us this morning through the songs that we already sang, that we will sing through the words that I will speak, God, that you would speak through me and, if necessary, in spite of me. Move me aside so that your glory is proclaimed, your love, your message is proclaimed. Pray all these things, Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen. Uh, a couple uh, months back, um, Pastor Chris and I were in conversation, um, and we had talked about a story. Uh, we couldn't remember exactly if this was shared, but there's a professor at Duke. His name is Professor Willimon, Will Willimon. He was previously a bishop in the United Methodist Com- or Conference, and he had a student who came to him and said, you know, Dr. Willimon, I'm not sure about this whole Christianity thing. He said, you know, there's some things that I just can't seem to get beyond that are kind of tripping me up. You know, this whole virgin birth thing, I don't know about that. And what about this resurrection? There's this guy, he was dead, and then he comes back to life? I don't know. I just don't think I can call myself Christian because I don't believe in those things. And he said, those things are the easy things. The difficult stuff, the strange stuff, the bizarre stuff, is when you start talking about turn the other cheek when someone hits you or when someone requests you to go a mile, to go an extra mile, or maybe even loving your enemies. That's the strange stuff. That's the bizarre stuff. When you can get beyond that, everything else is easy. Strange in the Bible? Sure. Odd? Yeah. Not culturally relevant to us today? Sure. But all in which that is given to us is true. And so when we say that the Bible is true, I want to help us in our conversation, we mean two things. We imply two things. And the first thing is that what it means is true. Truth is communicated to us. And helpful for this is also talking about love languages. Are you all familiar with those? Who here is physical touch? Yeah? What about words of affirmation? How about acts of service? Quality time? Gifts? Who here is just food? Who likes food? You know, express food, yeah, okay, yeah. Acts or love languages are all different ways that love is communicated. It's communicated in a variety of different ways. 
And when we approach the Bible, I think it's helpful for us to use this lens to see the different genres that the Bible pre presents for us. Pastor Chris has also mentioned this before, not so much seeing the Bible as a book, but seeing it as a library, a collection of books, each genre offering a different way of talking to us. And just like a love language, if we are expecting one way of love to be communicated to us, for example, I'm words of affirmation and acts of service, my wife is gifts, if she is giving me a gift, but I'm expecting words of affirmation or acts of service, I diminish what she's offering me. If I'm expecting something else and not fully receiving her showing of love in the way she's presenting to me, I'm not seeing the full reality of how she is expressing her love for me. And so when we approach these genres in the Bible, seeing it as a library, I think it is helpful for us to see what is being communicated to us. Karl Barth, a great theologian, very helpful for us in our faith, he has this quote that will help us to see this a little better. He says this, We are no less truly summoned to listen to what the Bible has to say here in the form of saga than what it has to say in other places in the form of history and elsewhere in the form of address, of doctrine, of law, of epigram, epic, and lyric. In other words, we are called to listen to what the Bible says in all of its genres. In all of its genres. The truth of God is communicated in all of the genres of the Bible. Listed up here, we have the different genres. First up is we have narrative. Narratives tell stories. This is a lot of the Old Testament. We see the story of God with the Israelite people and how God was with them and stuck by them through thick and thin. We also see that in Acts, in the New Testament as well, of how the Holy Spirit was sent to this group of people and furthered the church, how the Holy Spirit spurred them on, told them to keep going, and how the church grew from there. We also have poetry, the Psalms. Most of the Psalms, if not all of them, are poetic. Poetry is hard for me, y'all. I'll be honest. I like facts. I like data. You know, I like it to be tangible. So poetry is something that is different. I'm a literalist in that sense. As Alicia and I started dating, you know, we kind of came up with this little phrase where we say it to one another. One might say, I love you, and then the other one says, I love you more. Well, if someone were to get a hold of our, you know, our text messages or our letters or our emails or whatever it was a thousand years from now, they're going to see that and they go, that's kind of mean, right? Like, I love you more? Like, this person's not even accepting this person's love, but pushing it down? Well, no. It's a figure of speech. It's our way of saying that it's just our little playful banter of how we express our love to one another. It's not that it means anything less. It's just more of an artful way of expressing it. Another, uh, continuing on with the narratives, is we have wisdom, wisdom literature, that does give us words to live by. We have the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. We have the epistles. We have Paul's letters to the churches, churches in Galatia, the different churches that are going through hard times, churches in Thessalonica that are going through good times. Paul's giving them encouragement. Keep going. You all are, you all are an example. So we have these letters to a specific group of people. I wrote Revelation up here, but what I meant to say was apocalyptic literature. Revelation is in that category. It is one of those genres. But we also have writings from the book of Daniel as well. And then the last but the not least is gospel. Euangelion, which means good news. 
the proclamation of the grace of God manifest and pledged in Jesus Christ. The proclamation of grace of God manifest and pledged in Jesus Christ. That is good news. That is the story of Jesus, God showing up when we were at our worst to show us how to live and redeeming us as we hear in our songs, as we hear in our prayers. We have a movie clip. I want you to pay attention. It might be tough to grasp. See if you can recognize it. Check it out. I told you, it was short. Y'all catch it? What movie is that from? Star Wars, that's right. A very popular movie. I know most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with it. But right before that screen, those credits are kind of rolling through, this phrase shows up on the screen. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, when was it? Was it 100 years ago? Was it 1,000 years ago? A million years ago? Well, I don't know. It's, it's just a long time ago, you know, just a long time ago. Well, where was it? Is it like 1,000 miles away? 100,000 miles away? A billion miles away? Well, I don't know. It's just far, far away. You know, George Lucas, he gives us this abstract and just kind of letting our mind run wild, our imagination to fill in the blanks there. And by the way, who often forgets that Star Wars is set in the past? Yeah, I often think, yeah, we've got lightsabers. Of course this is the future. But I digress. But we don't have that when it comes to the Gospels. We have the Gospels, especially in the book of Luke, that is grounded in a time and is grounded in a place. Luke 2 says this. It says, At the time the Roman emperor Augustus, so we get a person, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. We get a place. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So we don't have to wonder about the abstract. We don't have to wonder about the when and the where. This is grounded in fact, in data, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ, God putting on flesh and living amongst us. And when we know that, that should give us reason when we say that the Bible is true, it means that we can trust it. We can trust it. When I was up at Duke, I had to do a chaplaincy internship, and I was over at UNC Hospital. And one of the big topics, I didn't think it would come up much, but it did, but one of the big topics that would come up was trust. We had a very short window to build trust with these patients. We would walk in in some of the hardest parts of their lives, and we had to build trust. And the three things my supervisor talked about that trust is built upon that makes up trust is benevolence, so looking out for the best, wanting the best, for the other person, consistency, so being steady, not changing a bunch, and dependable. Think about the people in your life who you trust. Are they, the, are they these things? Do they want the best for you? Are they consistent? Are they dependable? When we look at scripture, when we look at God, we see that God is dependable. He is consistent. He wants the best for us. We see it throughout the lives of the Israelites. We see it in the early church. 
early church is, rather, and it continues on to us today. We can trust it. It's something that we can base our life on. And because we trust it, it can shape our lives. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. All of the scriptures do that. All of them is given to us by God and inspired by God. And it also says this in the Psalms as well. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We can trust it. It can guide our lives. All of this reminds me of the builders that Jesus talks about, the wise and the foolish builders, when he talks about them in Matthew 7. The story says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes, that's a key word there, though. It doesn't say maybe or if or potentially. It says though, because we all know they come, right? Though the rain comes and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the, ha- and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. We can trust it. It's the bedrock we can build our lives on. Any engineers in the room, architects? Any future engineers in the room? Yeah. I had a conversation with Noah, and we're talking about his schedule this upcoming year. He has a whole class on concrete, whole semester just talking about concrete, because it is so important. It is the foundation in which we build all of our buildings upon. And if that foundation is weakened or compromised, it's going to come crumbling down. Foundation is so important. And we are given this Bible, this Word of God, that we can trust is dependable and we can build our lives upon it. E.O. Wilson, um, he's a biologist, uh, he's a writer. He had this quote, in a world um, I think is so pertinent to us today, he's since passed, but I think words beyond his years. He says, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Isn't that so true? We have so much information being thrown at us in every avenue, begging for our attention yet starving for our wisdom. I also think of the other quote where it says, information is knowing that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in fruit salad. Amen? We get so much information thrown at us, folks, but we have the wisdom that is given to us in the Bible, the bedrock that we can build our lives upon. And this is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories that shape who we are. We thank you for the teachings that make us who we are. And we are thankful for the teachings of Jesus. The words that we can build our life upon. The bedrock 
Because, Lord, we know that the rain will come, the winds will blow, the flood waters will rise. But when we build our lives, our faith on you, it will not come crumbling down, but it will stand strong. God, in those moments where we are finding our weakness creeping up, our doubts overcoming us, maybe our anxieties consuming us, remind us of your presence in our lives and how you've stood by us in the toughest times and you will do so even in the best times. We are so thankful for that. Pray all these things in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen.